so we're here in the press room at EGX to talk to George and Holly, uh, who are from... I got this wrong earlier because I said Bossa Boss is the publisher. Publisher, yes. And you guys are from... A Brave Plan. But Brave it's more Plan. complicated than that. Please do. So A Brave Plan is the production company. It's uh, But we're all like freelance collaborators coming together okay. to make this game. It's more like film and TV, yep. uh, do it. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we're coming together in the A Brave Plan label and uh, develop this game. And Bossa is the publisher, but we're also collaborating with them on the development side a little bit. Okay, and the game is the Bradwell Conspiracy. Correct. I've just played uh, the the kind of the introduction portion of the yep. game. Yep. I think probably the first. I don't know. I mean, for for some people, possibly the first 10, 15 minutes. For me, seemingly the first I, hour I think it's a quarter. Uh, uh, let's put it this way. It's, <laughs> the game is longer than we anticipated it to be, which makes us happy in many ways. <laughs> So yeah, um, I've got to say. Well, f firstly, how how would you describe the game to us? So, I we describe the game as a first-person narrative adventure about two strangers who uh, have to work together in order to get out of a very unfortunate situation and dangerous situation, and by doing so, they also uncover a mystery. Dun, dun, dun. Very good. Um, I I would describe it as if Firewatch and Half-Life had a baby. Oh, my God. Um, I'll take that. I'll bank that. It, it, had a re it, it, it really, really reminded me of the, the opening portion of Half-Life when you're setting up the experiment uh, and then the interaction with over the radio uh, with other people, the guide and stuff like that. Um, it, it was very reminiscent of those games. And I really enjoyed it. I really, really got into it. I mean, the, uh, my colleagues were having chats with you for, it was a good part of an hour, I think, while I, I played through that, and it was really enjoyable. So, there's obviously a lot of love, I think, has gone into this game. Um, can you tell me a bit about the, the development process, the seed of the idea? Where's it, where's it come from? So, it, well, it started over four years ago, and uh, I, uh, I, so, for my history, like, I've, I've worked for Lionhead for about 11 years, and after Fable 3, I left, I was like, in, in good spirits, I was yep. like, I needed to do something else, and then I, I made a mobile game, and then uh, worked on a mobile game, and then I, I decided I wanted to, I w always wanted to do a narrative game, and in my head, I wanted to do a game that was, what I would call, like, Steven Spielberg-esque, J.J. Abrams-esque, like, it, it was accessible, it should be accessible, it should be like mystery accessible, something that's intriguing, but I didn't want to make it horror. And I wanted to make something that focuses on the world and the, that it's coherent with the game mechanics it, that you could explore, uh, that it's also a little bit faster paced in, in places and where the main character is, where, we, where the main character isn't defined as such because we never refer to the main character by name or gender. And I wanted to try a different way of communicating with a scripted NPC, with a scripted character. So uh, all of this, I, know, I found a notebook about I found a notebook about two weeks ago where I've written down like in two pages, this is the core of the game, and luckily it is kind of like still that, so that's really well. But I then presented the idea. I got I got an opportunity to talk to someone who is who really liked the idea and said, okay, let's let's you find a team to build a prototype. I want to see if that works, and then. I looked around who wanted to be on that team, and then I, I asked Holly. So Holly had never met at that point. I I saw a show reel from Holly through some total different, through a different connection, and then I was like, oh, oh that's interesting because Holly had a really interesting, uh, spoke some really great words about art direction and narrative, and she had this really 
fantastic point of view that I really loved. So I emailed her and said, hi, you don't know me, but I really want to talk to you about a game. And then we met at EGX and talked. And then she said, yes. So it was a game born of EGX. That is, yeah, it was EGX when it's still at, uh, it was called. It was literally because I said, look, I've got this crazy idea. I want to do this and this and this and this. And you seem to be someone who likes narrative and art. And do you want to help me? And then, and then I went from there, didn't it? I'm just going to pass over to Holly so she can confirm or deny the story. Uh, that's no, it's 100% correct. But you then sent me your document, your like working document of where it was basically like a complete brain dump of all of your ideas and like the key of, um, as I was saying, like the key pillars are still in the game to this day. But there was loads of stuff. Where I was like, we need to pull this. We need to do this. Have you thought about this thing? Um, also, Catherine is a terrible name. We do need a different NPC name. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so now she's Amber. Um, but most of the stuff has stayed there. Like, I think Stonehenge has always been there. I think um, the collaborating with this NPC has always been there. Um, and it's yeah, and the whole like you are not a specific person um, is is in there as well. So we've maintained uh, you know this consistency. And I think what's also interesting about the photo mechanic, it's like we. I always wanted to do a photo mechanic, but I wasn't sure if that was enough or not. So in the initial, in the, in the prototype, we, at some point, we luckily put the photo mechanic in there. But we talked about maybe that that's probably not going to be enough. So we we in the back of our heads, we were thinking about like maybe we need some other system as well, like a topical based system, whatever. Luckily, we didn't need it because because our first test realized, oh no, this would work. This would work. It's just going to be a lot of work writing all the variation, tagging every object in the world, but it'll work. Which is a total relief because I didn't, I don't like dialogue trees. So yeah, the, the photo mechanic was um, actually a really nice touch because once you got it into your head that you could walk around, take a picture of something, and Amber would comment or give you a hint or pass information on to you, um, it opened up a whole new kind of way to come about thinking about and playing the game. I, the world building, um, you've really taken the the time at the start of the game. Um, a very slow paced in my playthrough I imagine a lot of people would run through that initial section to get to one of the emergency exits that you're heading towards but I found myself stopping and looking at the bits on the walls in the museum and exhibits and stuff like that trying to get a feel it was really really interesting way to tell parts of the story that I guess a lot of people could could miss at that that early stage I don't know Thanks. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, well, Holly is good at answering this one. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's mostly what a lot of my work has been doing because we've obviously split a lot of the narrative work between us. Um, and uh, George has taken like the main reins on like the dialogue and getting all that sorted. And so I've been doing a lot of yeah the background writing that you'll see around um, email emails that you can read, voicemails you can listen to, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we really wanted to make this world that felt like it was in a place and like we're both massive fans of like the immersive sim genre where like world building is a hugely important part so we're like we can't do all their crazy physics puzzles but we can do you know all this good world building that's something you can actually do with a small team so yeah we really focused in on that the whole a303 stuff you will have read on in the museum that's actually based on plans that are currently in place about wanting to build a tunnel and we just kind of took that to a logical complete conclusion um 
of like then what if you discovered a cave system then what if someone else decided they would you know take over the now compromised Stonehenge monument build a new museum but also maybe take that space that's underneath there because they found this new material that could be used for something cool and they did so and then we built the story kind of out from there and the museum also was a really it's a really good starting point because you can do both things you can have fast pace but it's also okay to look around and take the time if you want to do because it is a museum it's what their stuff is you know like in, in a lot of other games or there used to be the joke with with narrative designing games you know we just write graffiti on the walls and we were very conscious that this or or you write it with blood on the walls we were very conscious like you know that's been obviously that's been done before when and it, like even the locations that we picked and how to tell the story and the world building specifically there were a lot of thought and a lot of back and forth went into there to to make that work and as you said it's not you can't just stop and read everything it's up to you we're not like trying to force and we're totally okay with you not one to choose either so if you just want to run through we've the way we've set up the game the story it's not like that you you you're gonna you're still gonna get the main story there's still like enough we still filter enough through along the way it's just like a bonus if you're taking if you're taking everything you know but we don't we're not going to take everything away anything away from you that's important so that was a very important fact for us as well and, and now it's here and people are playing it um how has the reaction been? How, how have people been playing it and has that surprised you? Um, I think actually we were expecting more people just trying to run through it, but instead loads of people have taken the time to read everything, which I was not expecting. I always expect people to just run through because I always think of myself as the weird player who like sits and looks at everything. And I think we've managed to actually find that niche of people and we've actually really attracted them to our stand and everything for them to take the time and read everything. So I think I feel quite validated that we took that time to spend all that effort doing it because it's paying off and people are spending loads of time with the build. So... Um, and good, people are coming away being like, I really want to play this, like, when's it coming out? When can I pre-order it now? Like, all this sort of stuff. And, yeah, I think that's, you know, you work on something for four years and you, and especially we've been working in secret for so long. We only announced, like, last month, two months ago. Yeah. Um, and so we never had that validation of, like, is this something people be interested in? And we've only ever had, you know, other games kind of similar coming out to be, like, maybe people would be interested like firewatch got announced and came out in the time we've been working on this yeah. um and just yeah it's been really nice that people are like no i'm interested like you've sold it to me on that so it would have been pretty crap if they would have said yeah this is totally not what we like we where's, have no interest in the guns yeah, it? no it's just like it's this thing where holly said like you know not being not talking about it for three and a half years and then yeah. you just hope that at least don't hate it basically <laughs> that, but they've really enjoyed it which is great and how did it feel when Firewatch came out and you, you're working on something that you know is also narrative driven and was it was it validating or yes. in a way was it uh, yeah did, I mean, it, did it frustrate you did it no 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 no, no, no I mean it was actually really nice when people were really into that idea and this kind of like oh it's all about building a relationship we're like cool we haven't bet on the wrong horse like yeah. completely um and I mean like I've actually spoken with Jane who was their like lead artist basically because she gave me some advice on how to build rocks because obviously our thing is based in a cave system and I'd never done any of that stuff before so she really actually helped out um with me some for some advice for the prototype so um 
I think there's lots of love in the games industry for like each other's work and like wanting to help each other. And so like I've played literally every game that's kind of even similar to us because I'm like it's a really supportive place to be in games. So yeah, and also we met the uh, the Firewatch team then at uh, the BAFTA event as well. So we talked to them, you know, and it was really nice. And I I, I knew the people, some of the people made Gone Home as well. So it was it's just like this. It's not a competition. It's like we're just happy that this type of game. Uh, resonates with people right so that which is great it's like so that means we as holly said we bet on the right horse it's interesting we we were talking to charles uh cecil earlier and one of the things that he said was it was many years ago he was talking to um the head of a uh a, a, a publisher wasn't it um and he said the guy very very proud of the fact that he wasn't really a game i didn't really play games and um was was dictating his vision of what people wanted and it just didn't gel. And, and Charles obviously went on and created Broken Sword and uh, mm. a lot of other games in that nature. That again, that narrative, story-driven, which had been very successful. And he said it was uh, it was really nice to have that validation, especially when they put Broken Sword onto the iPhone, mm. because that's when it really kind of they got a lot of feedback, mm. saying that people enjoyed that. And I think it sounds similar here. You're actually you're in the dark going against what a lot of the big studios, a lot of the big publishers are putting out. Mm -hmm. And as you said, taking a chance on it. Um, I think, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, I, think what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is that it's, this is the kind of game um, that really, the success of it depends on actually people taking what they want out of it and as you said you were surprised that people spent so much time looking at everything and drinking it all in yeah. and um, that validation yeah. that I don't know sorry I, I thought I had a question and I'm not sure I do no, but I mean it's an interesting point because we had <laughs> when we when we made this game well, in the process of making this game we weren't even like but we weren't even sure like what because because it's a narrative game with puzzles right it's sort of like in the middle bit and we're we was like we really liked the idea of seeing something like this, yeah. but we but nothing in that corner did. There was nothing that kind of like existed in that corner, but f we wanted something there in a way, you know, because it's it's a narrative game. It's got two different game mechanics in there. There, but we but one of the rules that we established early on is like whatever we do with any mechanic, it needs to be tied into the story. Whatever yeah. we do with any of the world building, it needs to be tied into the story. And it, when we went pitching to like. Um, to, to publish or talk to people about it, you know, they're like, so what what crossover is it? And in the beginning, we were like, okay, that's going to be complicated because there's not, we, there weren't the games to describe it. And even with the narrative games coming out, it was like, okay, it's, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that, then then there's bits that none of these have. So, it, you know, it, it, it's like when you do a shooter game, it's much easier. So, like, it's a, it's a shooter set in space or something like that, which obviously has been done before, but we, we didn't ever have the language to describe it at points. I think... I'm not entirely sure how, but I think we've actually got to where I wanted to be because I think what I wanted to ask was, um, this is obviously you're, you're making a game that you wanted to see and, and how has that been to, to sell to other people? And I think that's it. Often the people that you know will get it, the gamers, yeah. aren't the ones who get to greenlight projects. So is, it, is, it, is it been nice, the fact that in that four years, like you've had Firewatch come out yeah. um, and you may have kind of gone on a, a, a bit of a whim 
with a, a different type of game, and because that's come out and it's it's done so well, yeah. it's almost validated the fact that yes, you were on, or you are onto a winner, mm-hmm. um, and then you're kind of like, oh, thank you, people actually do want this game, mm-hmm. rather than it coming out and you're kind of going, ah, oh, we kind of almost missed it. If that yeah. makes sense. I think we were based on we were keeping a close eye on all the narrative games, and I, I remember specifically because I remember I was at GDC at some point when I was planning when I was not, the production of this game hasn't started. I was just putting their own ideas separately, and then. And then I went to GDC a little bit later that year. That was like at the end. That was 2013, um, and uh, that year where they started uh, thinking about this. And I saw Gone Home, right? And I saw the reaction of Gone Home because at that point, they they were at GDC and people were starting to queue up and playing. And I'm like, oh my god, yes, you know, there is something there. But it was just that year when when it kind of like started. And when when we started, and Firewatch came out, even the trailer was like, yes, and. But I, I never felt threatened by, yeah. by any of that. You, no, it was no. the validation thing, which um, is good. Yeah, I mean, we actually, like, and we have a thing that makes ours different as well, which is just, like, how we wanted to make, like, a British game as well. Um, yeah. Because at this point, also, things like um, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture hadn't come out yet and or hadn't even been announced, as far as I'm aware, at that yeah. point. So, like, there wasn't really anything in that space as well that was kind of celebrating the weirdness of like our strange little islands and you know so it was really nice to kind of go okay Stonehenge it's like this really weird place that has loads of mystery and it's like so old yet each year we're finding out new things about this place and so it was really cool to be like oh so we could actually if we want to make like a mystery game a perfect place to put like a really big mystery would be Stonehenge and it's like super iconic it's very British um and just like create, and then we also got to do loads of stuff with like creating this fictional um, British company that's kind of taking loads of inspiration from like um, the Amstrads and the Sinclairs of the of the past, and trying to be like, okay, well, what if they became what Silicon Valley is now, and like that they had the global hold on all of our technology and that sort of stuff. So it was kind of like we not, we got to create this nice little alternate reality where we could think about oh, well, well, then what was Bradwell like in the 60s and what branding did they have at that point? And, you know, what's the, how have the company dynamics changed as um, the founder's gone older and his daughter's taken over? And, um, yeah, so we've been able to build this, like, rich history yeah. as well. And it's, it's really interesting, actually, because the, I think I described it as, like, Firewatch and Half-Life. Mm-hmm. But, but the other flash that I'd had was Portal 2 when you, when you progress further through that game. Uh, and you learn about the history of Aperture and stuff like that. There were there were real flashes of, um, yeah. you know, the, the developments Bradwell had made and the uh, the humanitarian work they were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the moment when I hope you don't mind me saying, but the moment when you come out of the stairwell and right at the beginning you're still trying to kind of escape, and you walk out into the exhibition centre and you can see Stonehenge mm. um, just off in the distance. Uh, that, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, it was, Brilliant. Loved it. Really Two people smiling. Um, so the voice acting, there's some great voice acting in yeah, there, yeah. and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil anything unless you want to. But, you can um, do whatever. You want. This is, uh, this is your show, so you can. Is, we have um, announced, we have the, the the name has been mentioned, but all of them have been mentioned actually, so it's fine. Okay. Uh, was it always your intention to have Jonathan Ross, or was that? So that was an interesting one because uh, we'd. We'd, I, so I'd worked with him before in Fable and Fable Two, and I'd uh, done. I worked with him on a game as well, and uh, and we created. So the section you're referring to, so he's got a cameo. So he's he's got a sm- small cameo role and in there. Absolutely, perfectly suited for the part yeah. he's doing, and I, I wasn't sure 
which came first? Well, it was the 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 induction idea came first, as in to describe this part of the tutorial is dressed up as one of these company induction things, and I've worked for big companies, and every time you have to go through this induction stuff, and as a Brit, they're always cringy, like yeah and it's yeah. like you go through you know you're almost like who writes these it's like the marketing and the pr team who comes together and, is it yeah. hr and marketing going out on a night the, out and i wet myself at the gateway of possibilities that <laughs> yeah I that think. was but the gateway of potential but, Sorry, but it's, yeah. the thing the sad thing is that you're not not the sad thing the funny thing is like you know you there will be real world induction videos of yeah. companies who will talk like this so we 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 thought yeah. that was a great opportunity because as holly just mentioned we had Brettwell electronics as a company we worked on that company we were like okay good we know what that company will be like in that sense so we, we this is how we were dressed it so the whole experience came first and then when we as we were writing it and put all the bad puns in there we were like mm, you know what would be great for this yeah. and then we kind of asked him he thankfully said yes so yeah. that which was really good but i mean we also have Abu Kabar Salim as the voice of the guide, yeah. and uh, he, he, which is perfect. We, he's, you know, really brings that voice because I used to be the placeholder voice for that game. I couldn't hear my, I had was sick of hearing myself in the game. So thankfully, he's uh, he's done such a beautiful job that I, I don't have to cringe when I play the game anymore. And then Rebecca Lachance who comes from the broad, Broadway and theatre? She plays Amber. She plays Amber, and she's brilliant. As in, like yeah. we've. Holly and I, we spent like long, like a, it was a long casting process because Holly and I, we had such a specific vision of Amber, of that character, because we had been living with her for so long. And Holly had done all the placeholder voice as well. And so we had a really like, we were a really difficult customer <laughs> in that to speak. So when, and then I think Rebecca was one of the last ones to walk into the edition. And at that point, we weren't quite sure if we were going to find the person. She walked in, said a couple of lines, and we were like, boom, sold. Yeah. And uh, what was also very cool is like we got one of the best uh, voice directors or performance directors in the business. Like her name's Kate Saxon, and she's. She's a theatre director. She does a TV and, and games as well, and specifically games. She does a lot of normally big, big productions. Like she's done the performance section in Alien Isolation, Mafia Three. Wow. She, I worked with her in Fable and uh, Two and Three, and she's brilliant. And you, when you get the right people in the room, like the people who know how how to direct performance and how to perform as well, you know, then it it just elevates the characters in a totally different level, right? Yeah. It's it's and it. For us, it was important to have that in the game as well. And it really shows, uh, as far as I can see, having played through just that portion, um, it, it really does uh, make a difference, the, the quality of the voice acting. And, and yeah, no, I loved it. I'm, really, I'm totally biased here, but I really enjoyed that. That is good. That is, uh, you know, you should go, you yeah. can wishlist the Steam now if you want. The, the game, you can yeah. wishlist the game on Steam if you want, just if you want, I mean. Um, I was also just going to mention the you don't you don't get to hear much of the music at this point, but also Austin Wintry is on board doing our music, and it's just something to worth mentioning because it's not something you necessarily get to see if you just look at the screen of it or see any screenshots. Yeah. But um, a huge part of the atmosphere of the game comes from the sound design and the music, and how um, Ali Toka are. A sound designer and then um, Austin doing our music, how they've worked together as well to make sure those um, two um, audio elements like work together and really help build this um, one like atmosphere of the place that you're in, but also this kind of um, the strangeness of substance and how the music ties in with that. And it's and it's been like a very holistic um, way that they've approached the sound um, because this is obviously a very empty place. So much of 
um, the feeling of it comes from the sound and like everyone who's played it has been like really immersed and they're like if I take the headphones off it's like I'm lo- it, like as it as it is if in the real world if you like lose the sound of a space it really feels you can really feel it and it's definitely a massive part of our game experience as well well thank you very much for letting me play it um, the Brandwell conspiracy is out when we haven't got a release date yet because, well, so the nice thing is Boss is dealing with all the business stuff and we're going to go multi-platform and, and but they're sorting that all out and because they want, they told us just make the, finish the game and make it great, we'll sort out the rest, which is a really nice place yeah. to be. So where we're at the moment with the development, we are like, we are sort of like, we've got the game there, we need to polish it, we need to fix the bugs. And uh, and then also write a lot of more dialogue, additional dialogue for yep. all the different variations that people keep like finding and and sending Ember yep. photos of, and then we'll and then you know we'll hopefully get uh, well then we'll announce the release date will be essentially announced by Bossa when when and the, the platforms as well. We're just focusing on making the game, which is a good place to be. So so if you're now at the point where people are actually playing the game and you're still in development, what? What are you looking at when people play? Are you taking analytics from uh, people's playthroughs today? Are you actually going to be looking at the pictures they take? Uh, no. I think we had tried. We had. I think we'd set something up to do that, but actually, we have because we don't have an internet connection. We're not actually collecting any of that data, so it's actually the good old-fashioned way of just like watching some people taking some notes. Um, we've generally found that people are just getting um, getting stuck or having a bit of friction with the with the game experience in basically the same places. So we basically know how to fix those. Um, so yeah, the game is mostly there. You can play through the whole thing, um, and we're just kind of like tweaking to make sure we can get rid of any friction that we can that people are experiencing while they're playing um, but yeah if you want more information about like platforms when it's coming out all that sort of thing you can go to the bradwellconspiracy.com and there we've got an option to sign up to our newsletter there so you'll be able to get that information right into your inbox um, and you can also follow Bossa on Twitter if you're into social media um, anything else channels yeah, well, we can also find out more about Bradwell Electronics. We've got a website, www.bradwellelectronics.com. You can find the products and history and more. Lovely. George, Holly, thank you so much for letting me play the game today, and we really look forward to its release. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right, bye. <laughs>